Welcome to Circle Sanctuary Network Podcast, brought to you by Circle Sanctuary, one of the oldest nature spirituality churches in the United States, connecting people of nature-centered paths around the world. Join us through the week for a variety of shows discussing various topics, celebrating the divine in all of its forms, through nature worship, rituals, education, and building bridges of community. Good evening, good morning, good night, good second breakfast, wherever you are, whenever you are. My name is Laura Gonzalez, and I welcome you to Lunatic Mondays on CSMP, the Circle Sanctuary Network podcast. Tonight, we have a very special show. I think I'm going to cry. I know I'm going to cry. We have Christine Ashworth uh, Ashworth on the show tonight, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about her. Christine Ashworth's true love is the written word. Her writing continues the legacy left by her father, novelist Chet Cunningham, who had over 350 novels published in his lifetime, and her brother, Scott Cunningham, an icon in metaphysical publishing with 20 books published, all of which are still available 30 years after his death. Christine's first novel came out in 2011, and since then, she has published 10 novels several novellas, and numerous short stories in limited-time anthologies, and two non-fiction books. She is also a regular contributor with the Tending the Fire column in the Cartomancers magazine, and you can learn more about Christine uh, on Instagram at ashworthchristine, and um, on the internet at christine-ashworth.com. Welcome, Christine, to the show. How are you? I'm good, Laura. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for coming, and thank you for writing this wonderful book, uh, Scott Cunningham, The Path Taken. Uh, we're going to go all over. Uh, I'm going to fangirl all over you, please. <laughs> I, I Let me apologize in advance, because uh, being one degree of separation with the Scott Cunningham is does something to a witch but before we get into the book and your family and your brother um, I want to get to know you and to know how did you encounter the path of the witch if you identify as, as witch or whichever way you identify how did you come into this uh, world magical world Oh, wow. Um, I have to say it's, it, it was just always there. It was just always there. Um, uh, partially growing up with Scott, partially, I just gave a workshop at StarCon um, last couple months, couple weeks ago um, on uh, situational divination. And I, while I was working on that, I realized that three of the divination, three of the very first divination techniques that I ever learned and probably that Scott ever learned, we learned from our mother. Right. What? Right. <laughs> and, and it was like mind blown. The, method, the Methodist lady, the method, the nice Methodist lady. Yeah. Um, she, she taught us to, um, so you put your, your finger, your forefinger and your thumb together like that. And so, it, you know, and then you put a rose petal on top 
And then you'd ask your question and then you'd smack it with your other hand. And if it made a loud popping sound, the answer was yes. If it didn't, the answer was no. Um, so she taught us that one. She taught us the, um, he loves me. He loves me not. He loves me. He loves me not. You know, I mean, which again is, you know, odd numbers are yes. Even numbers are no. And when I realized that kind of percolated through all of the, that kind of blew my mind too. And then the third one is the blowing on a dandelion, you know, Mm -hmm. not to mention the wishing on the stars or blowing out your birthday candles. So really divination is just kind of divination and the path has just kind of always been there. And it, it took me until like this year to realize that that was just part of the foundations of growing up. Mm-hmm. How long you've been practicing? Both well, I know you're you're you do tarot, right? You're like a. I, I I do work with tarot. Yes, I don't read for the public. Um, I it's that's a it's a headache in more than one one area, and my my accountant is very glad I don't read for the public. Um, but I've, I started really searching in about 2005 and uh, found my way to some metaphysical people and started going through Scott's books again and started, you know, just trying to figure it out. Um, and I'm, I am solitary. I, you'd think in LA, you'd be able to find a coven, an in-person coven, but it's not as easy as uh, even today as you think it should be. And, and I haven't been to any, but even, even when you do find one, well, how do you know your energy is going to work well together? It's tough. So um, I am solitary. I'm a bit of a lazy witch. (laughs) Um, I usually can keep track of the full moon, but I don't always. And it always comes, you know, at times like this last moon in Leo that totally caught me by surprise. So um, I, I guess, so, so how long? Well, I've, been, I've been searching since 2005 and mm-hmm. finally got down to brass tacks probably 2017 after my dad passed away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I... Thank you for for telling us about that, and thank you for sharing so much of your li- wonderful life and uh, beautiful family on this book, and of course of the teachings of of your brother. It's incredible, but very uh, believable for me, um, having a big family, lots of brothers and well, one brother and a bunch of sisters. Uh, you mentioned on the book that. You knew your brother to a certain extent, but you didn't really know him as uh-huh. well until you started reading the books and then you started hearing a different voice, right? Like a different uh, facet of him. Um, was that part of what motivated you to kind of like go both feet forward into magic and kind of like get truly and deeply into it as well? Mm, not really. Um because there's always that thing that, well, you know, your older brother's doing it. So do you really want to walk the path that he walks? <laughs> you know, there's always that little bit of competition thing going, um, which is stupid. And I, I fully acknowledge that. Uh, it was more the people that kept coming into my life. 
and that kept wanting more from me. And that's when I realized I needed to step up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And But you were a dancer on your use. I was. I was. My husband and I actually met in the ballet company. Did you find the magic on the numbers and the periods and the movement? And did you, did oh. you find mind pouring over all that creation? Uh, dancing is is 100% magic. Just the feeling your body move through space and, and to the music. And even, even when there's no music, it just... The, the the sheer joy of dancing is I I miss it I've I haven't been a dancer in more decades than I was a dancer um, but I miss it a lot and I'm uh, I'm struggling to get back to the type of physicality I had when I was young and we don't have to lose that you know we really don't it's just a matter of um, well, I mean, everyone's different, but I am, I am, I want, I want to get back there. I want to get back to where moving is a joy rather than a chore. Absolutely. Absolutely. I am a great um, supporter of the arts. If I had millions and millions of dollars, so my money will go to, to the arts because I think is the way I see it, uh, Christine is if if the goddess is creation, then when we are creating, we are goddess-like. And yeah. I think it's the most divine moment uh, of our lives when we're creating. Whether it is putting on our makeup or dancing a whole, you know, um, ballet piece or, or any kind of dance, you know, or any kind of anything that is artistic. I think it has very much um, divine energy yes. within it. And... Um, and I love that. So before time consumes our show, I want to talk about this wonderful book, Scott Cunningham, The Path Taken, uh, with your beautiful brother here on the cover. This is a very silly question, but I have to ask it. Sure. What inspired you to write this book? Well, that's not silly at all. I I had no intention of writing a book. None. Um, and then I went to my first pagan gathering in 2018 and, um, I was, I gave a, a workshop on Scott, just, you know, stuff like I have his, um, kitchen, witch that our grandma Hazel made him it's hanging in my kitchen right now. So I showed that and I showed some of his, not his fiction novels that in plastic baggies <laughs> so nobody could, you know, ruin them. Cause I had to buy them off abebooks.com to, to, because I didn't have any of them. And um, so I just talked a little bit about what it was like growing up with him. And I had people coming up afterwards to me saying, well, that was fabulous, but I want more. You're going to write a book, right? And I'm like, no. (laughs) But when, you know, over the course of a weekend, 50 people or so come up to you and say, you're going to write a book, right? It's like, okay, maybe I should, hmm, maybe I should do this. And 2018 was a really rough year for me fiction wise I got into a an anthology that um was a little problematic with the people running it for for me personally so by the end of the year I was really burned out on writing fiction or doing anything with fiction 
And then 2019 came around and I thought, well, if I'm going to keep my hand in, because I still wanted to write, if I'm going to really continue to write, then I may as well turn my, my sights to nonfiction. And I started writing Scott's book then. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about your, your fiction books. How many are there? And I mean, these are your other children that we don't know about. So <laughs> tell us a little bit. I have a contemporary romance series out with Burroughs Publishing um, called the Star Tide Agency series. I love that because every single book is different. Um, the first one is, it's a little short story. You can't, you can't get a physical copy of it, but you can get it on Kindle. And it's called Christmas Star. And it's a, a Hollywood star who, well, anyway, it's, it's really cute. It's really short. It's very sweet. Um, and I love it. It's one of my favorite things I've ever written. And then the others are part uh, romance, part mystery. And they're, it's just, it's really cool. It's a great series. I love it. Um, my other series I do not have the paperback books up. I got, I sold them to a publisher. They put them up and then they, they put the first two books up and then they dropped me. And then another publisher picked me up and wanted the third book. So I, I wrote that and then they wanted a prequel. So I wrote that. And so, but I don't, and then they, they ended that division and I got my rights back again so I've retitled them. It's the Kane Brothers series. That has not changed, but the titles have changed and the covers have changed. And um, so those books are about uh, three brothers who have to come to terms with their demon, human, and fairy blood in order to, and the gifts and challenges that their blood brings to them in order to defeat the bad guy and win the girl nice yeah it's a fun series and i i don't i apologize i don't have the the fourth book up yet but i will and i'm gonna my goal is to get them all put in paperback this year so i can start carting them around to conferences again well we'll, we'll keep an eye on that and it's called the king's brothers kane brothers c-a-i-n-e yeah the king brothers so speaking of brothers obviously uh you I'm sure you know this, and you even mentioned in your book, but I cannot not tell you. You were so blessed with this family. Yeah. How incredible and how shocking it must have been for you when you started meeting other families of other people that are not growing up the way your family grew up. Uh, what a beautiful story. No wonder... Um, I mean, no wonder you all have the talents that you have and um, everything was fostered and, and all this uh, agricultural story. And of course, you need to you need to get the book so you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, but it's a, it's a beautiful story. It's a beautiful family. It's very wholesome that the whole description of, you know, your mom, your dad, your ancestors, the whole farming, etc. Um, and of course, the love nature and also the and as you say you know you won the lottery and then you won the lottery to live where you lived with such big access to to nature how was it like growing up 
in that beautiful environment it was it was magic i mean i to give to give you an idea of the of the the safety my family created or held for me i was the kid that would go to slumber parties and then at 11 o'clock i'd call my mom and ask them to come pick me up <laughs> because i didn't feel safe at their at the houses and i'm sure the houses were fine i'm sure the people were fine but you know i i wanted home i wanted my safety and and that was how it always was and i just you know when you've got the gardenia blossoms and the lemon trees and the orange trees blooming in the backyard and and there's grass under your feet and there's the blue sky above it's it was it was it was heaven it really was i can't um i can't i can't emphasize too much how normal and how wonderful it was and i and i didn't think if it was that way at the time of course you know because mm-hmm. it's it's with that that looking back that you really see how blessed we were so and i think you're putting it on the book it also inspires people to create those families. I hope so. Because, um, I mean, to each their own. I am a very, very big advocate. I always tell my apprentices or whoever listens, uh, the four most magical words are you do you, boo. You know, you do you. You do what makes you happy. And, of course, if you're in a relationship where you're not happy, it's best oh. that you walk away, right, for your own safety yeah mental emotional physical spiritual but um i'm sure it wasn't easy for your parents you know you talk about a freelance writer and they might be work and they might not be work yeah. and they stretch they make ends meet uh, i'm also amazed of course we're talking about 50 years ago mm-hmm. uh, that you you were not rich you no. were not rich and yet you have all the things that you right. You have a house, you have a camper, you could go travel in the country. That epic vacation it sounds like a dream. Um, but you were not rich. So that's what it was to not be rich, bigger quotes, 50 years ago. And how we have changed this world and how things have changed so horribly that a freelance writer could not even dream of living the life that that your dad gave you yeah yeah it's um I still don't know how he did it I really don't uh they I well I think they had some money from my grandparents to help them because they bought the house um in 59 1959 because I was born in 60 so and they paid $18,000 for that house. And it, and I know they took a second or they refinanced a couple times to help make ends meet. My dad had a line of credit on his checking account. And whenever I would ask for something, he'd say, okay, Chrissy, come here. <laughs> see that, see that amount in red on my checking ledger that means that's how much money i owe the bank so unless you have to have it 
you know, for if, you know, let's not spend the money. And so it was, it was, um, it was an interesting way to grow up because it seemed that the money was always there when we needed it. I mean, we did not, I, I fell, (laughs) I was, um, listening. I don't, do you remember the, the song Dizzy? Uh, I didn't grow up here, so I have no Oh, you're right, right. So the words go, Dizzy, my head was spinning like a whirlwind. It never ends. So that song came on while I was playing hopscotch in our family room, because my dad had taped out a hopscotch thing on my, on the floor. And I started turning around, 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 and I fell. Boom. And um, I couldn't move my left arm. Because I fell right on this part of my left arm. And I was eight. And that was about four o'clock in the afternoon. And you couldn't get a doctor's appointment that late. And my parents wouldn't take me to the emergency room because that was just too expensive. Um, So they, my dad made a sling for me out of a small tablecloth. And uh, I went to bed with some aspirin. And um, they took me to the doctor the next day. And I had a broken arm. Yeah, it was a little tiny hairline fracture way up here, but it was also the beginning of summer. So I missed out on swimming lessons. I missed out on all the the fun water stuff because I had my arm in a cast for eight weeks. But but the interesting thing I got from, from that whole growing up period was that the money will always be there. You have to work for it and you have to save it and you have to be smart about it, but it will always be there. So I have never, I mean, even when Tom and I first got married and money was very tight, um, I never overly worried about it because I knew it would always be there. I knew I could, if I absolutely have had to, I could get a job waiting tables. I was better in the secretarial pool than I was, a, I would, I, you know, I, I mean, waiting tables was the lowest bar. I would, I would only do that if I absolutely had to. And luckily I never did. So Mm -hmm. I was able to, you know, find work in the, in the, um, uh, secretarial arenas and then it all just sort of worked out. Nowadays, you know, 2024, we're so far removed from the eras of this book uh, that you wrote. And the buzzword that I see, because, you know, I'm addicted to the internet, uh, manifestation, manifestation, you know, it's it's very, like, oversimplified. Um, but there is some truth to that, right? You set up an intention, and then you work towards that intention, and then that intention manifests. What I see uh, younger folks doing is that they kind of skip the work part. <laughs> but uh, do you believe that growing up, and being able to do everything that y'all did had to do with that power of intention and, and manifestation. You think that the optimism that your parents had, it's some kind of magic? That's a really good question. Um, well, my mom's faith was very strong. And my dad had that work ethic. And so did my mother. I'm not going to say she didn't, but my dad had the work ethic. My mom had the faith and it was, um, 
God, how do I, how do I say this? I, I, I don't know that necessarily that had, that came to me as manifestation, which by the way, if I could kill a word, that would be a word I would kill. Um, I am so sick of of hearing that word. Um, But yeah. Okay. I have to, I have to tell you this story. So when I was, I had just met my husband, Tom, I was 17 and we were, we just started dating and he, he and he had, he had met Scott. He and Scott got along really well. And uh, he was telling me the story of a classmate of his who um, decided he was going to be a very successful actor and he was going to manifest his acting career. So he would spend hours outside in a little patch of sunlight in in his, you know, um, meditation pose after he got high and manifest his career. He would just manifest it. But he never went on any auditions. You, you, you can't have a career if you don't go working for it, or at least looking for it. So, you know, ever since that, I have had a problem with the word manifestation. Um, and I haven't found a good word to replace it with yet. But I'm still searching, man. I I utilize materialization. You materialize, you create it. Because we also have this manifest destiny BS, right? We're not going to get into that. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I hate the word as much as you do. But I also hate, uh, we're going to, and I know hate is a strong word. <laughs> so it is, that's how I speak. Uh, heal your inner child in this three-hour workshop. Oh, Christine, you have no idea. <laughs> yeah, no. It, it People is. spend years healing their inner child through therapy. I, you know, it's it's a nice. All I would say to that is, people, be careful where you put your money. Yes, do your due diligence. You know, check them out. Um, yeah. And especially I, if they're charging an exorbitant amount. For those yeah. three hours and even with magic practitioners you know i'm i'm a i'm a healer i'm a tarot reader i not only i do podcasts i'm a priestess i'm a minister but i'm also a healer right i've been a healer since i was very very young and um and then i made it my career right mm-hmm. so that's what i do and i don't work with fear i dislike very much healers that tell the person you have a curse oh my god and it's very very common and the uh, spanish-speaking people that migrate or descendants to believe you know that yeah it's very easy that somebody put a curse on you and then the words that come after that is somebody put a curse on you but for the thousand dollars i can lift it and i'm like what so i don't work with that kind of that is unethical for me obviously yeah and it's ridiculous but anyway let's let's uh circle back to the book and to the man i mean scott cunningham i have a story can i can i tell you the story please please 
So I grew up in Mexico. I'm Mexican from Mexico. I grew up in Mexico. My dad was a new ager when being new age was new. And my mom was what people will describe as a natural witch or okay. kitchen witch, you know. But I never heard any of them call themselves that, you know. They they were I I set the labels on them. And I have a near death experience when I was probably two or three years old, and a very keen psychic ability, uh, particularly more on the precognition aspect. I just knew things since I was very, very young, which is a blessing and a curse because that makes you yeah. a very weird child when you're yeah. a child. So I became very withdrawn. I, I'm always been a talker, but I never talk about me. You know, I always, you know, talk about other yeah. things and I'm always talking about science and the discoveries and this and that and magic and whatever, you know, I go into these rabbit holes and, um, have to go to the bottom of things to learn all of it and that's what I will talk for days um my mom at one point trying to pay me five pesos to be quiet for five minutes and I <laughs> gave her back her coin two minutes in and told her this is your money I want to talk you know come by my silence never will but you know I was I was healing people because my father taught us healing techniques healing with hands before Reiki was what it is now, we were healing with hands in Mexico. And uh, it's a very tra traditional uh, folk, Mexican folk technique. And um, and I'm indigenous, you know, like everyone from Mexico, we're all indigenous. We all have a very high um, quantum of indigenous blood still 500 years after uh, colonization. So life happens, right? Uh, I'm doing tarot readings, I'm doing healing, I'm doing cleansings, I'm doing limpias, all that kind of stuff in Mexico. And then life happens and I come to the United States. And for a couple of years, you know, all I needed to do is learn how to be, how to exist. Uh -huh. Different country, different language, different culture. Yeah. So forget about magic, you know, it was just like, go, go, go and work and do your thing, you know, factories and cleaning toilets and all the good stuff that we get to do when we just migrate. Um, shout out to all my migrants in this planet. And so about five years in, so that must have been 2003, 2004, I'm watching TV and there is this special on the history of Samhain. Hmm. And they are witches prancing around the fire. And as I watch that on TV, I'm like, that that's it. That's what I need to be doing. That's me. That's my religion. Just by looking at it, I knew it. And then years went by and I just kind of have seen the pentacle and have heard about the witchcraft religion and and then at one point i meet this playing on facebook one of those games with farms on facebook <laughs> and i meet this woman our little avatars are you know have farms and we're playing 
And on Facebook, on religion, I have, you might call me Wiccan, because all I knew is the name, but I knew nothing about Wicca. And she had on her religion, witchcraft. But her name, her avatar's name was Hippie. And I was more interested in knowing if she was really a hippie. And she's about 20 years my senior. And then she was telling me like, yeah, she really was a hippie. She was in LA. She lived in a commune, blah, blah. I was fascinated. And then I struck this conversation with her and I told her, you know, I think I'm a witch. And she said, why do you think that? And I said, well, I can predict things, natural disasters. I can heal people. I read cards, but, you know, I'm not sure if I'm really a witch. (laughs) (laughs) And her first lesson, uh, Sherry Oms, that's her name. Her first lesson was, don't you ever doubt your gifts. And of course you are a witch. And the second lesson was, you need to read Wicca, for the Solitary Practitioner by Scott Cunningham. I'm a ESL immigrant who didn't read much in Spanish, let alone English. And I didn't walk, I ran to get the book. And you can tell by the wrapping of the book how old it is. And I read Wicca for a solitary practitioner in English, cover to cover, in about four days. Wow. I have never in my life ever read a whole English book that was not a novel. And I have never in my life read a book in four days. And reading Scott's teachings, I told you I was going to cry, reading Scott's teaching, saying magic is her birthright. It should be accessible to everybody. But the most important one, Christine, find a pantheon with which you have a relationship and that's the pantheon that you work. So by now we're already in 2009 and I'm like, well, I'm Mexica, I'm, I'm Aztec. So it's the Aztec Pantheon, right? That's the one. And I run with it. I did everything that Scott had told me on this book, right? Self-initiated, set up my altar, did my full moon, my new moon, my did that, the everything. And then the internet opens up for me. Facebook, right? Opens up for me even more. So I start meeting witches elsewhere in the planet and of course in Mexico so I'm all excited asking people so how do you practice Wicca in Mexico is it with the Aztec Pantheon with the Toltec with the Mayan with like which Pantheon do you practice with and the answer that I got was verbatim I don't know how you all people in the United States practice you're all a bunch of fluffy bunnies because if it's not Celtic, it's not Wicca. <laughs> and my heart went clink, clink. 
it just broke. Yeah. So I go to my high priest at the time, Marty Couch, and I'm like, Marty, um, I just been told that I've been doing it wrong. And then Marty asked me how long you've been practicing. And I'm like, well, about two years now. You know, I read the book, I found you, I, you know, Sherry told me a lot, Marty told me a lot, and I've been practicing with the Aztec Pantheon for two years. And Marty says to me, how many things that you work for have you materialized in your life? And I'm like, well, everything. And he's like, okay, so we are the coven of the fluffy bunnies. Yeah. And and the proof, let, let the magic that you create be the proof. So because of that, and because I've heard that misinformation that somebody with the authority that they believe they had said to me, if it is not Celtic, it's not Wicca. I started doing podcasts. And I have been doing podcasts since 2011. And this very show, Lunatic Mondays, has two, two versions, one in a different uh, station and now on CSMP. But Lunatic Mondays has been alive and well since 2015. And my desire to share with the world information about magic being our birthright is because Scott. And then, of course, I started, you know, relating with more people in the Spanish community and digging further south. And for whatever reason, further south, uh, Argentina, Brazil, Chile, Uruguay, you know, it's more open. This is not as close as in Mexico, you know, or as it, or, or as Mexico was 15 years ago. And the commentary was, so are you Wick, are you Gardnerian or Alexandrian? And people will say, I'm Cunningham. <laughs> so it's not Cunningham. 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 Scott Cunningham. So I know Scott didn't write this book to create a tradition, but I couldn't wait to tell you, Christine. There is a tradition that is not official, right? Because there is is we are self-initiated, right? But people very proudly, they, they really puff off their chest when they say, no, I'm Cunningham. That's amazing. That's amazing. He has touched. I don't need to tell you, but I need to tell you. He's touched so many people. And then, of course, after that, I know we're both crying for those watching the video. I know you can see us crying, but for those who are just listening only, listening only, uh, Christine and I did match in uh, wiping our eyes from our <laughs> teeth. Um, so then years went by and I'm very openly practicing with my Aztec Pantheon. And, and then I have what I call uh, lovingly, I call the Wicca police um, because you have all these people that are learning the, the close hermetic traditions, you know, um, pardon my French, shitting on my practice because I'm Aztec and a witcha. And and everything I ever did all the time was like, have you read 
the book by Scott Cunningham. Because if you haven't read this book, you haven't learned. And if you're a traditional person, then so be it. Do you. Yeah. But don't, don't come sticking your hand on my cookie jar because I do me. Right. So you do you. So here I am 15 years later teaching decolonizing the goddess, the goddess tradition with an Aztec twist. We're talking about Aztec goddesses. And it is because Scott Cunningham. That's, wow, that's amazing. That is amazing. With any kind of spiritual practice, you're going to have spiritual gatekeepers. You just are. Um, Which uh, pisses me off, but what are you going to do? Is Wicca, uh, I don't even want to get into that, what Wicca is and isn't. Um, Except Wicca is a religion, um, but you know, there are offshoots of that religion. And I like to think that Cunningham is an offshoot of that religion. Um, just like, I mean, what what is it that you've got the Catholics and the Episcopalians and you've got, you know, so that's similar, but there, the Episcopalians are an offshoot of Catholicism. So it's like that in my limited knowledge opinion. Um and I'm sorry that happened to you because nobody, I mean, you, you put yourself out there and you, you explain what you do and you are in love with what you do. And then you have somebody coming along and telling you you're doing it all wrong. Excuse me. That is not okay. Uh, I, and I mean, maybe it's okay. And when you're learning a dance or when you're learning to speak a language, you're saying that word wrong. This is the way you pronounce that word in this language. That's great. But if you're telling somebody they're worshiping wrong, that's, that makes me. And part of my, my, I teach a lot, Christine. I've been teaching for over a decade now. And um, because I hit the grand Ronin and, and I, started Wicca and you know became a priestess and all that like this because I was so hungry for it I didn't know you know and for a long long time I hid my indigenuity because of all the attacks and I'm very grateful for people like Scott for people like Marty Couch for people like Sherry Alms for people like Selena Fox who's my mentor uh, for other people you know that are like it's you. It's a relationship between you and the divine. Like, who can tell you how to have that relationship? And even more so lately, um, to mix our indigenuity. You know, there is such defensiveness about conserving our indigenous traditions, which is important. We don't want our indigenous traditions to be recolonized once again. But for people like me that can find the common ground, that I know exactly where the Pacific Ocean ends and the Atlantic begins, if the ocean does it, 
we can do it too. I know where one end of my practice is in the beginning of, and, and, and when they converge and when they can overlap. And that's how I teach it, right? But the gods and the goddesses are, do not belong to the heavens. They belong to us. Yeah. You know, and, and we are the ones. So I was dying to tell you that story and to ask you, do you think he, you mentioned on the book that he had a lot of backlash, right? Back in the day when, when the book came out. So he was conscious of the complaints. But did he know all the good that he did with these books before he passed? Or he didn't have the time to see that? Um, that's a good question. I... And every time I've asked, I'm asked that question, I still have to stop and think. Um, I don't think he realized, I mean, he knew that the book was getting translated into different languages, which is huge. Um, but still, I don't think he realized the reach that the book would have or that it would still be going strong 30 years after he died. Um, which is amazing. You know, I just, every single one of his books he's ever written in the metaphysical world is still out there, is still in print. Yeah. Um, so even though he might not have known exactly how far reaching his teachings would go, I think he knows now. Definitely. Definitely. And the fact that it, it, it was very surprising for me to read on the book, of course, because I'm 30 years removed and I never met the man, right? So when I read that he had like death threats and I'm like, what? what? Like we all love Scott. Like we all love him. Like what are you talking about? No, 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 no. When he, when, those book, when that book first came out, it was taking the way some people saw it in the covens. It was taking the power of the coven away from them. And which it did. And it had to, it had to be that somebody had to open it up to make it accessible to everyone. It's, it's like, um, I have food, but you don't get any. Well, I'm sorry. I'm human. I deserve to eat too, you know, and, and magic is our birthright. I mean, all you have to do is go outside into nature and see how magical this world is and how we're, we're ruining it, but that's a whole nother discussion. Um, so yeah, they absolutely hated the fact that their power was being taken away from them which is silly because the people that wouldn't have joined a coven to begin with that's who this book is for that's who those books were for and and if the only way you could get that knowledge was to join a coven then what you join and you're not given what you need necessarily it's doled out very sparingly and that's because half the time the people running the coven, and I'm not talking about the big 
I'm talking about the little mom, you know, the little covens scattered around. Half the time, those people were just a half a step ahead of the people in the group. Yes. But they were still asking them to give them money. Yeah. And so, I think that's what, that's what the, the threat came for them with a book is that it hit him on the pocketbook, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, and there is another phrase that Scott wrote on, I think it's also on Wicca for the Solitary Practitioner, where he says, you want to touch God or you want to meet God or you want to see the divinity. I don't recall exactly how he worded, but then he says, put your hand on the ground. Put your hand on the dirt. Put your hand on the on the earth. Those two phrases I use constantly on my teachings. Constantly, like you want to meet God, touch the ground, touch yeah. the ground, touch the earth. Um, there is one you have in this book, and, and I know time is of the essence already. We we're already been here for a while, but. You have wonderful collaborators in this book. Yes. And a wonderful group of people. And everybody that speaks on this book, they all touch on Wicca for a Solitaire Practitioner. Uh, I think just one don't mention it. And how it has impacted 30 years later. And I think it will continue. I was asked a few weeks ago, which book do you recommend for someone that is very, very new? And I'm like, go to Scott Cunningham. Like, you can never go wrong if you go to Scott Cunningham. Yeah. Um, how did you gather all these amazing collaborators to give you their little insights? I was extremely lucky. I started meeting a lot of these people in 2018 when I went to my first tarot conference. That's where I met Benabelle Wen. Um, and then I just sort of started making friends and when I was in the process of I had okay the book was a really ugly baby book <laughs> at one point in it's in it's uh adventure and I had gotten some feedback on it from someone I respected and I said okay and it wasn't very positive it it wasn't it wasn't that it was bad the book was bad. It just, there was something lacking. And so I went to my own, I have a, a little tiny, I guess you could call it a coven, but we don't call ourselves that. It's a, a, a retreat and refresh group that we make once a month on over zoom, just to like check in with our other magical people and see how we're all doing. And I asked them, I said, Hey, does anybody want to read this and help me out? Cause I need help. I don't know. I need, I don't know where, what's missing or where I need to put it. And so my, my good friend, Beverly Frabel, she, she read it and she got back to me within a week and she said, you know, this is really good and I love it, but I want to know more about Scott's astrological chart. I went, okay. And I knew that Benabel was doing these amazing planners around your astrolog astrological chart. So that was probably 2020, 2020. 21 no 2020 I think I don't remember anyway and so I reached out to her I said would you be interested and she said yes 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 and said great and then another friend of mine said you know if you're gonna go into this what about numerology I said 
that sounds fabulous, but I don't know anybody in numerology. She said, well, I do. Nancy Hendrickson got her start in numerology. And I went, oh, really? Because by that point, Nancy and I were friends on Facebook. We hadn't met in person yet. So I reached out to her and she said, yeah, I'd be happy to. And so it just kind of took on a life of its own. And I was at the first, the international divination event in, in Dallas tied. And that was 2021, 20, And, um, I was getting ready to put my proposal together and I came, I got to meet Storm Fairy Wolf and he said, well, you know, I had a section on him for, um, for my book and as one of the queer ancestors. And he said, well, and it was, I was asked to take it out. And I said, I want that. I want it. So if you could give that to me, that would be great. And then I met James Devine at that same conference. And he's just, James is a little, uh, just a big teddy bear. He's just so sweet. And I said, Hey, I want, I would love to have your writing in here. And he said, he got a very deer in the headlights look. Okay. And he got something to me. So it just, you know, it was, it was part luck, part, um, um, karma I guess I don't know it's just the right people came in at the right time and um so yeah you know I believe when I was reading it and I got to the part of storm it moved me so much and I texted him I'm like I'm reading this book and I just read your part and it's amazing and he loved that that I commented um I love reading all the experiences that other practitioners had with with scott's legacy and i love thank you thank you so much for sharing and for the gift of a little window a little insight of the life of the man right the man because we all know the author we all know the magician we all know the wiccan or witch or whichever way he called himself but we didn't know the men and it's kind of like when I interview musicians, I always want to know the backstory of the song. Right. And, and, and the beautiful song, the beautiful song that Scott put out on the universe is still singing. Yeah. And you have given us that backstory of the song, you know, it comes from the piano and it comes from the conch shells and it comes from the ocean and it comes from the redwood trees and it comes from harvesting with dad and with Chet and Rosie and it comes from teasing you and and your brother Greg and all the good times with your husband and bouncing a baby on his knee I, I mean all this little snip that we don't have but that is where the magic comes from that's where the compassion comes from that's where the love comes from that's where the diversity yeah comes from the openness um what a beautiful family thank you for sharing your family with us and 
I wish I could stay talking to you with you. I'm sorry, talking with you for another three hours, but you've already been very generous with your time. I don't want to keep you much longer. Uh, you need, you need, listen to me. You need this book, Scott Cunningham, The Path Taken by Christine Cunningham Ashworth, uh, available everywhere. Okay. Oh, and the audiobook, which I was um, honored to read, will be out early February. I think it's February 6th. It's already up for pre-order. That is amazing. That is amazing. Yeah. And and I have to tell you, in true fashion, I don't know, I will have to pick your brain later to Anytime. learn how the, how the Cunningham clan writes books because I am I struggle to write an email. I hear you. It could be because, you know, I keep telling people it's ESL and it's oral tradition. So, you know, could be both of those things. Um, I know I have a bunch of books in me, but I just I haven't been able to write uh, over 300 novels. Your your father. I mean, this is my blood. And I read this book in four days. So there's something about uh, <laughs> you guys and how you write. You know, but anyway. Um, so the audiobook will be out on February. This book has been out. It's been a couple of months now. Uh, Scott Cunningham, The Path Taken, Honoring the Life and Legacy of Awakened Trailblazer. We also have the Kane Brothers, right, that are out there. And as I always remind you, you know, write a review for the writers, help them yes. out. Um, what plans do you have in the near future? Are you going somewhere? Do you have any presentations? Do you have other books that are cooking? Um, I will be at the Queen Mary with the Sabbath Social. Um, they are an online group that they are getting together at the Queen Mary on April 12th, I believe. And it's an evening event. I'll be talking and doing a book signing and then we'll have dinner and there's a, a ghost tour afterwards, which will be really fun. And you don't have to spend the night at the at on the Queen Mary. Um, we are, but you don't have to. And so check that out. It's sabbathsocial.com. And it should be a lot of fun. Yeah. It sounds like a lot of fun with the ghost. I'm I'm a chicken, by the way. <laughs> People ask me, like, but you're a witch. How you how you're scared? I'm like, because for you the stories are stories for me, they're real. So no, right. I'm yeah. Uh, so before we go, I just want to remind everybody uh, about what CSMP has to offer. Christine, we have over a thousand podcasts. Wow. Circle Center Enable Podcast has over a thousand podcasts for you to download, listen, and share. And my job is to remind you that we have Circle Talk. We have Songs of the Pagan Tribe. We have Paganos del Mundo. We have uh, Blue Marble. We have Circle of Nature. And of course, we have Lunatic Mondays with your truly Laura Gonzalez. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Christine, for having written this book about our wonderful Scott Cunningham. Thank you for being on the show. And I'll leave you the microphones so you can say goodnight to your audience. Thank you, Laura. And everyone, have a great night. Sleep well. Thank you, everybody, for listen, listening. I always say that wrong. Thank you, everybody, for listening. <laughs> Never forget that you are loved. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.
Lunatic Mondays is a production of Laura Gonzalez for CSN Podcasts, building bridges of community around the world. Thank you for joining us on the Circle Sanctuary Network podcast presented by Circle Sanctuary and produced for all who follow nature-centered paths. Join us throughout the week for various programming connecting with the community around the world. Please don't forget to watch for updates on the Circle Sanctuary website at www.circlesanctuary.org. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash CSN podcasts. We can also be found on your favorite podcast hosting sites such as iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and others. Until next time, many blessings. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.